Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. All right, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the 144th episode of the Penny Bloom Podcast. Tis I, Colton Robertson, and I am joined today by a couple of my favorite people to talk Marvel with. I'm joined by Aurora Carter. What's up? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing okay. <laughs> you doing all right? Yeah, I, I know you're sick. I'm hoping that you get to feeling better here soon. I'm, I promise I'm not like making or do anything, guys. I promise that's not what she she volunteered. She was sick. She did it all on her own. She did the work. It's for straight the up blackmail. No, it's blackmail, y'all. It's blackmail. <laughs> we were also joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? What's up? I'm glad to be here. Excited to finally talk the Let's Eternal talk. baby. Because this is a uh, this is a fun one. Uh, it's a, we've we've talked. Uh, when Black Widow came out, did an episode on that. When Shang-Chi came out, we did an episode on that. So it's only right. We continue the trend of Marvel movies this year with Eternals. Uh, and I'm not going to lie. I love this movie, guys. Might this be my a- favorite thing that Marvel has released this year. Like, other than What If, I'm struggling to find, like, I just enjoyed this very much. I'm with you, and I think it's uh, I think it's important here that uh, I I say I enjoy this movie. There there are there, like critically, it has it's like Rotten Tomatoes worst score, uh, below Thor: The Dark World doesn't make any sense to me, uh, any whatsoever. However, I do I do get critiques. There are there are critiques to be had with this movie, uh. Uh, so let's let's go around first. Let's do a spoiler-free review. Uh, everyone kind of get their thoughts in overall how they feel felt. Uh, Aurora, I'll start with you if you're down. Yeah. Um, overall, it's kind of the same effect with um, Shang-Chi. Like, I kind of forgot that it was, you know, like a Marvel movie. It was... Mm. It was okay. I really don't I hope I don't get attacked by Marvel fans, but some reason I was getting a lot of like Justice League vibes. Not the movie, but the the. There's way. a reason. Yeah, there's a reason. You and, know? Uh, yeah, you got the Superman type beat. You got the Flash type beat. Mm-hmm. You got Thena, who's our Wonder Woman type. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, we got we got a lot of. There's a lot of parallels there to be sure. Uh, and not only that, but Chloe Zhao. Uh, and getting in the headspace to write and direct or not write this movie, direct this movie, what she really, her reference point was Zack Snyder's man of steel. Uh, she used, she modeled a lot of stuff after man of steel. And I mean, there's some other stuff with like 2001, a space odyssey with all the time jumping and stuff through all the, uh, eras of the earth. Uh, but man of steel, like the DC feeling of this movie is there to be sure. And I don't think it was, uh, not, it wasn't intentional, but it was clearly influenced by some DC products at some point. 
Yeah. Uh, to be sure. Uh, it, what, what, how, how else did you feel about the movie? I, it was, it was like, it was weird, but it it felt weird, but it, felt, it was good weird. Like it gave me nice vibes and I mm-hmm. love the natural lighting. I loved it. Oh man. I the loved... fact that this was on, on location mm-hmm. lit by the sun. Oh, I love it. Lovely. I, I know probably other people at Disney probably hated it, but to me, like this, this to oh. me, like the landscape and no day was actually at these places. This was for me the most visually stunning Marvel movie we've gotten mm-hmm. potentially to date. Um, I think that, uh, and I, I cannot stand people who are like, well, Marvel fans be like, this is the craziest shot I've ever seen. And then it's just a green screen. <laughs> that is completely and utterly dismissing the work of VFX artists because the fact that these environments are even created sometimes is fucking crazy. Go and do that. Like, yeah. you can't. That how shit you, is hard does, to do. How does a green screen discredit anything? Like, it's still just a movie. Like, it's an it's a, like a piece of art just move you know moving. Like, exactly. it, just because it's a green screen or fake and not captured in camera shouldn't like. You know, degraded I, I, I from think anything. Just, I think it just dismisses the work of digital artists on these films because, yeah, like, they do a lot of fantastic work on these films, and I think it can be shown here in like a, in like the World Forge, and mm. uh, I mean, with the Celestials themselves, obviously, there's not uh, anything you can really model that after. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a really really beautiful and visually stunning movie like the costumes for me like i felt like in like marvel movies it seemed like all like everyone shops y'all might disagree but it seemed like everyone shops to the same like store for their costumes like it looks different but the way it looks but i like the heart pieces on their suits like um um thena's chest plate gorgeous Mm. like and i like how um, what's her name? Um, Cersei is that her name? Cersei, mm-hmm. yeah. I like her green aesthetic to kind of like be like, oh, you're like a naturist, and yep, yeah. And Athena's just... got all white because she's like the pure battle warrior, just kind of like goddess of war type vibe, which she is. Um, it's it's fantastic, and the they really did a good job of uh, emulating the vibe of the character in the costume. I feel like they did that pretty, pretty well. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, Joe, give me your, give me your overall feels for this movie. So I think whenever I'm saying that this is one of my favorite things that Marvel's released this year, it's not that I think it's the best content they put out because Shang-Chi is a far better movie than Eternals. But I'd say I agree. Of just of like how I enjoyed the movie and just while watching it, um, I don't know. It was like a completely different feel almost uh, like watching it in the theater, watched it in IMAX. Uh, IMAX was definitely awesome with this movie. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I don't know. I just enjoyed it. There wasn't a part of the movie that I like hated. I was just this I was is... just happy all the way through. Yeah, I don't know. Like. And here's the thing. It's long. It's two hours and 37 minutes. However, 
I went for the third time yesterday, saw it in IMAX, uh, and I had my large popcorn and a drink, and me and Emily went through it, so I was like, I was looking for a time. What is the optimal time in this movie to get up and go do something? And I'll tell you, there isn't an optimal time to get up and do anything, which means that it needed every minute of its two hours and 37 minutes, which is necessary. just crazy. Yeah, it was necessary. Like, there, I mean, they have to establish so much, like, uh, the idea of Eternals, the idea of Celestials, like, Deviants. Like, they had to, oh, uh, And know. with this, this is where I will say the critiques make sense. What it means, uh, I I know Joe will know what I'm talking about here. I've talked to him about it so many times. But the uh, the way we view Marvel movies is a little different than the way we view other movies because of taking the universe at large and knowing the implications on other things and stuff. And because this movie is introducing the Eternals, ten characters, Deviants, this whole other idea, these Celestials, a completely new idea to the MCU that has not really been touched on besides Ego. And, like, we don't really know a lot about Ego. We just know we just know Ego. And due to all this, all the introductions to everything, you don't get the emotional depth with the characters to the degree you would like. Uh, the stories aren't as resonant and it's more like it's more showing you a history lesson of events uh, happening concurrently and hopping back and forth throughout time all leading up to to the ultimate uh, event of this movie Um, and I think that while those critiques are fair that like the plot loses a little steam because we don't really have a focused villain for a while. Uh, We don't get to know the characters that well. That's fair. This is so clearly a launch point though. Like it's not, Oh yeah. We weren't supposed to get the full thing here. It's like, this is opening up the universe to a new cosmic side completely. Yeah. Uh, Like I think it's kind of important to distinct that like the first time I watched this, I might have teared up once, but the second time I watched it, like, I teared up so much more. Like, once I, like, knew these characters coming into the story, like, actually, like, having some knowledge coming into the movie, like, I don't know. I would highly recommend, if you haven't given it one rewatch, to do it. The movie's so much better on the second rewatch. Um, You're just way more, like, you know every character's name, for one, which is, like, kind of hard, like to get everyone's name down in this movie because it's so many new names like right away. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see how people can get like a little lost. Cause I mean, I probably took 30 minutes, 45 minutes before I was like, okay, I know who everyone's name is like completely. Yeah. Um, and, but once like you go in for the second time, you know, all the characters and you like, I don't know, you kind of have that emotion behind it now. Well, like, and that's the mm-hmm. thing is that like, there's there's this other thing about the this big group of characters where I think Chloe Zhao and the writers of this movie did a really good job because, like I said, they are introducing all these concepts and all these characters. They have such limited time to let you get to know these characters that they have to provide one really, really all-encompassing scene for these characters 
personalities. Like Druid gets one, Fastest gets one, Icarus is like Icarus and Cersei are kind of like the focal point of the movie, so their whole thing is kind of like played out throughout. But they all get a moment where it becomes clear this character is the most who they are in that moment, and they show you that moment. They they like and I think that's really important. And obviously it's not enough for you to be like Critically, they told that story of that character really well, but it's enough to get you to know these characters so we can push through this two and a half hour movie that is so fucking big, so epic that it's just like, how was it ever going to work as a movie? Like, it's like, like, at, it was never going to be critically the best story you ever saw, mm-hmm. but you got to appreciate it for what it is doing. And it's blazing a whole new trail in the Marvel universe on the celestial and eternal side. And it gave us, like, legitimate history, like, in the MCU. Like, we jumped around to so many cool time periods, and, like, now we kind of know, like, uh, certain things, like, behind certain movements and, like, certain technologies uh, or, like, I guess, I don't know, still spoiler-free, but... uh, Yeah, we'll get to the spoilers here in just a couple minutes. um, But, but, like, you know, just jumping around to the... the Just random time periods was really cool to watch. Um, Mm Mm-hmm and like get some legit history woven into the MCU, which was kind of cool. Um, I don't know this, this movie it's it's kind of, if you're going in thinking critically, it won't be the best, but if you just want to go in and have like a fun, cool experience, like that's what you're looking for with this movie. Like, and I can't express enough how you should go see this movie in IMAX in theaters because when you get that opening shot of the Domo flying past the sun on an IMAX, oh my god. It was just different. Because you see, the sun's taking up half your fucking vision. It's just so massive. I, I I love it whenever I can see the movies that big on screen. But uh, any last spoiler-free thoughts here before we get into the, uh, to the real shit? I wanted to say... Um... I liked how, like, graceful they moved when they did their shit. Like, Mm. they were so... It was, like, not, like, dancing, but it was, like, okay, like, Dana, for instance, all her moves was... Well, Angelique Jolie is good at face pose when it comes to VFX anyway. But, like, even Icarus flying, it was... He... I would say, like, it had, like, more of a Superman presence, but it was still so soft you see so like you see superman do the whole fists going straight forward flying parallel to the ground thing you watch icarus fly and he's kind of magnetoing it yeah it's like floating with his straight up kind of regal Mm -hmm. like and i i I, that's a really good point and to build on it thena angelina jolie actually took ballet lessons to move more gracefully as the character thena oh um (laughs) Which which just makes a ton of sense because like I think specifically to one shot in that movie where she leaps across the screen uh, and it's just like that was so clearly just graceful as fuck. Like in that uh, one scene when she had Excalibur and like how she just turned like that little that little moment how she just spend it was mm. so pretty. I was like okay, okay yeah. And I mean, let's let, let's talk about in this in this spoiler free section the representation this movie uh, provided. That's one of the best, the biggest attributes to this movie. You got the most diverse cast we've ever had. You have the first uh, deaf 
and mute person in uh, Lauren, Lauren Riddle off mm-hmm. uh, as Makari, who is just fantastic. And I know you guys have seen the numbers where uh, inquisitions into learning how to do sign language rose like 250% according to the in- independent after this movie came out, which is just really, really cool. And it's like, obviously representation has an impact here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the first uh, gay couple on screen with uh, Fastos and uh, his husband, which was, uh, was he, his character was one of the most, was one of my favorites in this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm excited to dive more into the spoiler, the spoiler aspects with him. His moments were beautiful. You like, you, like they don't give you a lot, but what they give you is enough to know these characters. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, I can't express that enough. And it's like the future of the Eternals is bright. And this like, in five years, whenever we have the spinoffs of all of, of these characters getting their own things, people will look back on this movie and go, yeah, they fucking nailed it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, they just will. I, I got to think. Mm. But, uh, yeah, and the performances across the board, Richard Madden, uh, Gemma Chan, Angelina Jolie, Brian Tyree Henry, Salma Hayek, um, it was just all fantastic. Barry Keoghan, like, they all did such a good job in these roles. Yeah, they, Marvel knows how to cast very well. They, uh, I don't know what their process is, um, but it's working and just, I, I don't know, upcoming characters, like, just that are confirmed for roles, like, just seem like perfect fits, so, like, the future of Marvel is looking good, and this movie is no different. Like every, even uh, no, nah, I'll, I'll say that. I'll save that. Um, for, uh, yeah, we'll save that for spoilers. I know exactly. Yeah, what you're just like about. the last thing I have to say, and this it randomly came to me while I was watching the movie, and I know it's kind of like off, but it still includes the internals. I would love to see Thena and Hella fight so bad. I just feel like that would be so mm. good. Thena, I, I had, I, I didn't have the hella thought. I wish I would have taken it that step further. I wanted to see Thena and Valkyrie interact. That was where my head went with Tessa oh, Thompson. Because, like the the way that Hella can like just make swords come out and yeah, Thena, yeah, they're like, like the exact same. They go hand in hand <laughs> together. Yeah, like I, I wonder if Odin looked at Thea and Thena, was like. Yeah. Well, I mean, seven thousand years. Wait, how, yeah, how old are? How old is Odin? Like, how old is Hell? Well, like, the Eternals. Before... That's the thing. It, well, hmm. yeah, we'll get more to that later. <laughs> how about we enter the spoiler discussion yes. now? We've gotten twenty minutes of spoiler-free content. <laughs> yeah. Let's just let it loose. If you have not seen the movie Eternals, get the fuck out of here. It's a wrap for you, baby. Uh, it's time. Three, two, one, spoilers. Sex scene in Marvel. It happened. (laughs) Ah, dude. Look at that. That's really a spoiler, but, uh, because it's all over. But, no, yeah. That is, uh, one interesting thing about this movie. And it's not like, it's not like, uh, they're just laying there naked. Yeah. It was like beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. It meant something. Yeah. Like, this was done right. They did it. And you see, like, you don't just, like, guess they're having sex you can tell they're having sex so it's like 
it, it was like overtly a sex scene, which mm-hmm. I was like, that's wild to me. I didn't I didn't anticipate that from a Marvel movie. But hey, when we when you've got this epic drama on your hands, what epic drama has ever existed without sex? Not a single one. They all have sex. I just mm-hmm. I, I love like how um you know, like the LGBTQ got a first kiss, yay, and straight people got the first sex in the Marvel, yay. Yeah, just yeah, this representation yeah. across the board. Oh, just all over the yes. place. Uh, but uh... <laughs> that's why this movie just it just feels good. You know, like this is a movie where like you can legitimately just like you feel comfortable watching it. Like maybe that's why I just enjoyed it so much. Is that like? Literally, it's like it felt like a movie that is supposed to be released right now. You know, like it just—I don't know. I just it felt feels very because like, to me, I feel I know when people talk about Marvel movies like for the children, but I'm like, it, it, I, I would like not recommend a child go see this. Yeah, movie. like I, I really it. think now with the way Marvel is going, it seems like more catered to us, like yeah, nineteen up to me. That's just how well, I feel. I, Especially with that second post credit scene and like uh, announcements like Moon Knight and stuff like mm-hmm. they're going in this darker mystic realm. I mean, House of Harkness and Blade and all this stuff like they're going this dark mystic route and this cosmic celestial route with like and then whatever the fuck Sam Wilson, Captain America is doing on Earth. Like <laughs> it's like there's there's so many different aspects of this conflict that it's like. Like my little brother Griffin, I was I I almost took him to see the movie on his birthday. He was turned he turned uh turned eleven or twelve turned twelve. Sorry about that. He turned twelve. <laughs> um, and like after I'd seen it the first time, I went, okay, yeah, Griff, you shouldn't see that movie because like not only is it two and a half hours, and a a kid is not gonna sit in a theater for two and a half hours and enjoy the experience it's just not something that happens uh but there's so much information and if you're not i will say if you're not like a marvel fan this had to have been hard to follow Mm. like i i in my third viewing yesterday i had uh i had a people in front of me uh, we had two old, two older people, two old white people, who left early, uh, which made a ton of sense to me. Um, we had one dude who was really into it, and three dudes on the other end that were also really into it. But these, the two old, old people in the middle left like as soon as Celestials got involved. Wow, Celestials popped up and they were like, "Okay, yeah, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. I'm gonna go ahead and get going." And, and it was like, it was like all the way into the part of the movie where Cersei first talks to them and like, at, like they explained what the Celestials do and stuff. It wasn't the first time the Celestials popped up. I have a feeling that they were, uh, they aren't happy with the fact that the MCU doesn't have God. God didn't create uh, the universe. Celestials created the universe and so on and so forth. Uh, I see. Which is a really, it is really interesting and just like shows you the current landscape as far as religion is concerned. Like Marvel is more than willing to uh, negate uh, 
that there's a God in the MCU. Cause like, how the fuck would there be a God in the MCU? Come on guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, if you think about it for a couple seconds, it just doesn't work. You know, like many things don't add up. Can't like, honestly, putting God in the MCU is probably more offensive than leaving him out. So yeah, like, exactly. they're doing you a favor. Like, yeah, like I, I, agree. I, I agree. I didn't even think about that though. That, uh, Wow. Like, no, and yeah. I didn't think about it either. Emily actually pointed it out to me because she was my girlfriend was raised in a rather religious home. Mm-hmm. And she she told me that, like, her dad would have absolutely despised that film for, like, the way they refer to celestials at gods at multiple points. And maybe uh, the that's way why they, this uh, movie's getting such low ratings. Well, it could be it could be a part of it. But like, uh, I, I guess people just not following could like. I, I really don't see, like, the, uh, I guess it's just the way the movie is. It's just hard to have a critically acclaimed movie that's laid out this way. Yeah, like. And and we've always said, and I will always say, it's hard to have a critically acclaimed comic book movie. Like, it's just, especially in the MCU, it's just not something that really happens because, I mean, they have been rather formulaic, and obviously this is where they're starting to break that mold here in phase four with WandaVision and uh, Loki and so on and so forth. And I think this is a really good example of them trying to break the mold. It's just that, uh, you know, we get to the final act and it's like, okay, so this really is what we're always going to fall back on. You know, Mm. like the ending of a movie can't be the ending of the movie without the one giant last battle sequence and uh obviously it had to happen here i will say this ending the way it happens it took it took the third time for me to buy it what do you mean cersei doing it successfully doing it mm-hmm. okay you mean like Wait. you don't think they should have had the power to do it no, I, I mean, I got, I, I do get it now because Tiamat joins the Unimind and is actually part of the power that kills him. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying now. I, I, I understand that Cersei has that ability, like as she showed with the deviants and stuff like that, like that I'm all cool with. It was the fact that like, I don't know. I was just like, oh, okay. So. I did, yeah. The big first thing time pop I didn't, up through, big thing pop up, up through surface. Cersei just, Cersei just make it, make it st- stay rock. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought catch, that was interesting. I didn't catch that Tiamat joined the the Unimind the first time I watched, but the second time, like I caught it then. So I well, see what you're saying. Like, yeah, I. It took it, it took me some tries because, it, and it, the second time I did, I got it that that was a part of it, but I still didn't fully grasp and it took it it really did take the third watch for me to appreciate the last act of this film mm. um the way that they form the unimind uh the only reason they are able to do that is because tiamat has woken up and come through the surface so much that when cersei touches his palm she gains the energy and therefore can activate the unimind and uh that whole sequence becomes a lot more emotionally resonant because of the music actually like the music directs you in which way 
you're supposed to feel a lot of times about what's happening to understand what's happening. Uh, and the way that they like flare the music whenever Icarus rises along with the rest of them, it made it seem like they had to choose to do that, which is, which made Icarus's ending all the better with him mm. choosing to help stop the celestial. That's how I'm going to interpret it. I'm not going to interpret like it could be that they had no choice and they were going to join the Unimind no matter what as Eternals. But earlier in the movie, Icarus doesn't join the Unimind as Thena, Druig, Makari, mm-hmm. and Cersei all do. So I think it had to be by choice, and I didn't get that through the first two watches either. So like, also the only other part I'm confused on is like whenever Icarus's uh like eyes were like. Whenever he's looking at Cersei about to blast her, then he decides not to, but, like, it looked like he couldn't. It was the conflict. It's it's it, it really is okay. just the conflict. That's what I it's like okay. it has to flare up when he's about to and then shoot out. So it's like it's showing him thinking about it and like it's his I, it's his will to do it kind of fading away. I, I took like, OK, that makes more sense than my thought process, because I thought since it was like mechanical it was like him being with Cersei for so long was like interfering with his like process or like not program, but like, see, that is another thing too. First watch. I was much more under the impression that these were robots. Yeah. Upon second and third viewing, they're not robots. They are manufactured life. It's like, it's like, I'm like on my first watch towards the end of the movie. I'm like, so are they like vision? Mm. But they're, they're even more advanced than vision is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is like wild to wrap your head around, it's but like, like they, they are life that like they are. It's, it's not so, even a Westworld. Like it's above Westworld. Like it's like, yeah. they have their own conscience, like that in itself. And like, they mentioned that in the movie, like, that makes them us. Like whenever, oh, um, I loved that. Yeah, I loved that. Druid's character was freaking amazing. Oh, like uh-uh. let's go through. Let's go through some favorites here. Who who stands out above the rest for you, Aurora? Who was your favorite uh, Eternal walking away from this movie? That's a hard question, actually. It is. Like, it is. Um, and I had to be first. Um. <laughs> you think on it then. I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, I because I, I, I've seen it three times. I've given it a lot of thought, and I'm ready. Um, leaving my third showing, I'm I'm confident that my favorite Eternal was Thena. Okay, I was going to choose her. Thank you. Um, uh, and <laughs> I think that she carries herself as like the old wizened like above it all sort of character. Like I look at her the way that I look at uh, Joe, you'll feel this more than Aurora will like episode four, Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) She's, she's got the shit figured out. I mean, like when she does have the shit figured out, obviously she's going through some other shit that is really, really compelling. But whenever she gives that speech to Cersei at the end, like get up Cersei. Like yeah. if you, you have to do this. We're behind you, and we believe in you. I, I just, I really loved her in that moment, and she, uh, 
her story is one that immediately resonated with me uh, and therefore creates the resonate the resonating in another story, Gilgamesh's, because their relationship is my favorite relationship depicted in this movie, uh, Gilgamesh and Thena. They had they had a relationship that I don't think we've seen one quite like it in the MCU, which was uh, which was really and obviously you have the eternity thing with the Eternals. So like mm-hmm. if they spend a super long time together, it's like all the more special because it's like y'all were together for thousands of years. And the fact that's a fucking bond right there that Gilgamesh is like on any other planet in a heartbeat. I'd do it again. You know, like, yeah. mm, I you're making it hard uh, for me to say who my favorite is now. Like now that you just spilled all that, I um, would say mine's is Sprite <laughs> and Thena. Wow, oh, sorry, Joe. Yeah, no, no, you're fine. You you were up. No, you go ahead. Or yeah, you're yeah. first. Yeah, I I'm was, still I'm still thinking. So <laughs> I would say Sprite and Athena because I seen like like them two had the most conflict, Thena, like with themselves. The they had so like um, what's a Sprite? Is a Sprite? Okay. Yeah. Okay, I was thinking about the soda. Okay, my fault. But um, I I thought that like Sprite had like so much like internal conflict for being a child for so long that like it's 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 a female, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Right. They're so a, tomboy. I forgot. Okay, but um, yeah, yeah. Like like she's like might might look like a kid, but like inside, like she's like literally a full grown aged. Yeah, her her whole thing is so complicated. And the actress did an amazing job. It was actually like compelling. I see this as a grown person. And I do love that they they had her hitting on grown men like like disguising herself as an older woman because it is it is an interesting balance that they had to strike with this character. Mm-hmm. Because I think the perfect route to go with her was being in love with Icarus. Uh but obviously, Icarus isn't going to reciprocate it that. It couldn't because, happen. Yeah, it just. Yeah, it just it wasn't going to get portrayed on screen. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Um, <laughs> obviously, thank God. Uh, <laughs> and then you also couldn't have Sprite being into kids her age because she's thousands of years old. So it's like, why did had, she make she it that way, be, man? Yeah, like she had to eternal eternity. Of just pain for being who for being who she is. Do we ever... And I think there's a lot of those allegories. Like all of them are suffering because of the way Arishim made them. And I love that. My favorite take on that was fastest. Whenever he's like, "I wouldn't change a fucking thing about mm. my life. I am. I do not belong to the Celestials. I don't belong to any of the shit. I have a husband and a." child and that's all that matters to me he's underrated on the team uh he might be my favorite uh like think it's either him or druid are my two favorites yeah. if i had to choose uh fastos just like i love the brainy uh the nerdy he's an engineer like come on like dude's right up my alley uh druid just I don't know. Everything he said in the movie was just really good. Like whenever he challenged Ajax, am I echoing? You were for a second, but I think we're good. Okay. Um. Sorry. Uh. We're... Yeah. Whenever Druid challenges Ajax, um, it was like you'll have to kill me to stop me. You know, like I, I'm not stopping. Like I, I, 
am true in who I am, and uh, I'm sticking with it. And then he takes him to the Amazon, and basically that's the reason that the Amazon is still existing, which is just cool. Like, it's like this paradise that he built. Um, I don't know. I really loved his character and his arc, but Fastos, though. He's probably my favorite. Like oh, They had sure. a uh, – Fastos and Druig had a really cool, like, dichotomy where their their views shift in the opposite way. Mm. You know, like, Druig – believes that he should be able to control control and stop all the conflict are we really helping them to a better society and he ultimately comes to realize like if they don't have their free will they're not human i'm taking away what makes them them while fastos starts like when we get that scene in hiroshima where he's in the in the wreckage of the usa dropping nu- nuclear bombs on the city uh and he's like these people they're not worth saving. They're not worth saving. I, I've i seen some shit on, online about how that scene is in poor taste. And I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Because the, the, the thing that I read and the things I've heard, and I do get this perspective. I absolutely do. Uh, but I do think it's missing the point of the scene a little bit is people viewing the scene as the Marvel universe blaming a gay black man for the nuclear bombs being dropped. I don't think he did anything to influence technology since the fifth century. Yeah. I think that's a reach when I saw that too. I saw that as a reach, but I I, like, it's just that part I, I I just feel like like what you said like he just influenced like a lot of people were saying so they had a gay black man build an atom bomb I was like I don't think he built it I, he he put them on the path to develop yeah. their own technology and they developed it that's what makes him go these people they're not worth saving it's not like he put the bomb in their hands and then was like we'll see what they do with it you know There's what I'm saying no like no way Fastos gives humanity a bomb like. In all of his inventions, it's a steam engine, a plow, something that will help humanity and push them, you know, to do something. Like, he's always, like, trying to help. There's, he, like, what I, the way I took it is, like, he gives them just the itty-bittiest push in the right direction, and then humanity, they develop it, and they choose to do it, to what to do with it. Fastos wasn't in the decision to drop the bomb, you know? He was zero part of that decision that was america's decision he was like like he was like over a thousand years away from that decision being made as the last time he interfered with the creation of technology i didn't i don't know i think he still was like interfering with technology though at the time i got that idea at least um but i don't yeah i see because here's my thing that's when he stopped i think that is when he stopped is the bomb well then, here's the thing: who was who was telling them what to do after they dip? He just—that's just what he does. They all that, got to—they like, all oh, got to decide true. what to do. Ajak, they all get away from Ajak, and they all all of a sudden get the privilege to just decide what happens for humanity. I think they completely remove themselves after they break apart uh, in the fifth century and just start living among the people. 
I feel like he, I don't feel like he literally like did anything. I felt like he was more like a muse in a sense. Like, like maybe like the last time he did something was maybe the Bronze Age or something, you know, like showing like, hmm, hey, this little material, but he did that with the plow. Could he I guess I never really thought about this. Like, when was the last time that he influenced technology? Because if they're going, well, in, when's the last time any oh, of the them influenced? Engine any? maybe because he liked engines so much. I'm just thinking like things that would make sense. Because I got the idea, at least whenever I watched it, I thought that he's been influencing technology this whole time. But then at the time of Hiroshima is where he was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not giving human like humans any anymore. And then that's when he found his partner, and then like had like his views changed on humanity. Um, but he doesn't influence technology anymore. He's just living with his family and he uses te- his technology for like his home now. Gotcha. That's how yeah. I viewed it. it. It is really interesting because like the ones who could influence things were like Cersei and Fastos. And I mean, Ajax could probably advance medicine quite a bit would be my guess. Um, they're the only ones that could really influence uh, the way society works indirectly, you know, like Druid can obviously control people and make them do what he wants, but like, they're the ones that can kind of push them in the right direction and keep them on that path. And I think that, uh, with, without Ajax, like if they're not working as a unit and Ajax not there to direct them and tell them what they should and shouldn't do, that they're not interfering unless I like, they never made it clear. I know Ajax is also there with, fastos in hiroshima when like whenever he's mourning what's just happened so it's like yeah they don't really make that clear okay like joseph i don't know like how much you would know but colton didn't you get a sense of like x-men apocalypse with like magneto with his family from fastos in a way like the whole concentration camp and like him feeling like humanity is worth saving when he has his family finally like, I saw so many, like, influence in this film from so many different stuff. I feel that. Yeah. I, I can see that for sure. Like, the—oh, and, like, this is this is a storytelling method that's used for a lot of villains, like, the way that—and it was used here for the Eternals is, like, witnessing humanity in its best moments is enough to make you want to save it. Because, yeah. obviously, we have our lows— but we we do have highs as well. Like we have we have good things about us, which is often uh, outweighed by the bad. I'd argue, but we do have redeeming qualities as a race of of uh, or as a as a species. If you I guess just I focus on all the negatives and say that we're not worth saving. Then you're letting the evil win, and you're letting all of the good that is trying to come out not. You're like letting it die. So yeah. It's like, it's yeah. it's kind of pointless to look at life in that way. Um, it, it won't get you anywhere. Literally, yeah. um, it'll only kill out. You know, like a race. So I used to think that way. You know, like I used to legitimately like, yeah, if I could flip the humanity switch, I would. Uh, like I said that many times on the podcast, word for word. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that anymore. Uh, like uh. I, I re- like it. Not it doesn't. It doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, I, I don't know. Big on diving deep into philosophy and uh, this movie. Maybe that's why I enjoyed it so much. I was like, 
it it just naturally brings up a lot of just philosophy um oh yeah it does it has a lot of ethical and philosophical uh debates at many many points and i mean druids is right there at the heart of it if you have the ability to influence and stop war the death of people why why not do it wow and he he ultimately comes to the conclusion on his own you know if i take away their free will they're not human they're not the people that they were supposed to be i guess my two favorite characters are the there's two most philosophically like yeah immediate the ones with the most philosophical conundrums yeah i get wow and like the, um, this is the last thing I want to say about the Fastos um, situation. Because um, that's like so much to dive into with this movie. But I saw like a, um, people were saying like, wouldn't it make more sense for him to disbelieve in humanity since he's a black man and like slavery? But I saw like, that no. That seems like all the less like reason to believe in that. humanity. I don't think that's nothing tech. With Yeah, that was just a all human decision. Yeah. Yeah, like I like I don't think even coming from me being black, I don't think that heroes like that made more sense because it's uh, like technology versus It's a technological that event. Wasn't nothing it wasn't nothing. Like I don't yeah. really get that. I'll see that more with the guy who's doing mind control. That that works better with him with Oh, I'm with you. Like yeah. if if and, and obviously Druig I think he, if he doesn't have Ajax telling him not to, there's a good chance we're a hive mind uh, as a, as a society. Like if he doesn't have Ajax to influence him and that's, that's one thing I will say about this movie that I wish we could have gotten more of that we didn't was Ajax. Um, this, this movie does a really cool, uh, way of storytelling. Uh, and it's something they kind of had to do. We've said that on multiple occasions they they have so much information to throw at you. On first watch, there's a reason you don't get the emotional resonance of the moments, of several moments. When Ajak is dead, in the moment of the movie that Ajak is dead, you don't have a single reason to give a fuck about her. Mm-hmm. They then immediately follow the scene with Ajak having been dead with a reason you should love Ajax. Uh they they do the, they do the throwback, they do the thing where they're explaining a uh, mad weary as well through Thena and Gilgamesh and uh and they're explaining why you should love Ajax in that scene too because Ajax is like all right guys we've done it and she's she's like obviously the heart of the group. Mm-hmm. She is she is the calm collected one. And she's the prime eternal. She was the prime eternal. But uh Yeah, man. Yeah. It's she was a really, really cool a really cool character. And uh I, I loved her power, the healing ability. She just she she was like the they on multiple occasions even called her mom like she was the mom of the group. She really was. And I love I love that idea that mm-hmm. they all and that scene at the end, whenever they're making the the revelation that Icarus has killed Ajax, and they're all standing on the do- the domo, and they're all looking at each other. And Druig's like, "He killed her, don't you guys see? That's what happened." And the way they like, I felt the tension in that room of like, 
you cannot convince me the Avengers were a family when I'm watching this stuff unfold. Like, yo, the, the way that, like, Cersei and Fastos, like, like, immediately break down and Icarus starts tearing. I, Even Sprite. Like, Sprite is conflicted, though. She's like, no. Like, I, I don't want to believe it, but, like, oh, my God, Ajax. Like, yeah, like, it makes sense. It, it, oh, like, see, everyone's reaction was legitimate. Like, I didn't even expect yeah, it like, to happen like that. I was even taken back when I saw, like, the emotions come forward in that one room. I was just like, oh, shit. I thought well, I'd go down I mean, right like, then and there. Credit like, to, like, Kumail Nanjiani's like, acting, yeah. too, Kingo. Like, in that moment, he looked like he, I mean, he had the whole idolization a little bit of Icarus, so he admired him deeply, but I appreciated, too, that they had him stand his ground, be like, I believe this, but I'd never fight you to to prove that. I loved that about Kingo. That was one of my favorite character moments in the entire movie, and, uh, it it was so so good, and I I do love that. You know, Kingo and Icarus. Whenever he he goes up to Icarus, and this is something I didn't catch until my third watch, and it might might have been something that I should have caught earlier. I don't know. Tell me if you if you guys did, but the scene where, uh, you know, Icarus is about to go outside of the domo, and Kingo runs him down and is like. Hey man, I'll uh, I'll stick by with I'll stick by you whatever you do, all the way to the end. Yeah, all the way to the, the end. end of the line. And uh, he goes, "What'd you say?" And King goes, "Like I'll stick by you to the all the way to the end." And uh, it kicks him into a flashback to six days earlier where he said the very same thing to Ajax right before he led her to her death. Um, and I was like, "Fuck." And that was that, like, it was a line. It, mm. I didn't catch the line parallel. I, 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 I knew it was like impactful because he was uh, like, why on earth could you follow me? Like, th- I just did this pretty much is how I interpret it the first couple times. And then I watched it the third time and I heard the quote and I was like, oh, that's what sent him into this like little like memory. Uh, like the first watch, like you hear the line and your initial thoughts is just like, okay like he just doesn't want to hear that right now but then i heard the line like i rem- on whenever he said it to ajak i was like i didn't catch I it the, the connection time. i didn't catch but on it the, the first second time. watch on yeah on the second watch it was more directly like, paralleled oh like he's leading yeah to her death and he's about to lead these people to their death like I got the parallel. I got just that they said the same thing the first time, but then the second time I got like the legit deeper parallel. Yeah, yeah. like you go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, what you say? I was just saying like when it comes like you find out that like Icarus killed Ajax. I was, I just felt like, like really like fucked like. It really just made me feel like, because I thought Icarus would be like the the older brother protector type of the group, other than Athena and Gilgamesh, of course. But 
I just felt like all of them were so very, mm-hmm. like, tight-knit. And to see Icarus, I, and y'all can kind of, like, totally bring me up to speed, but I really don't see or remember a scene where it actually kind of just makes it valid as to why Icarus loves the, like, supports the Celestials. I so okay much. so here with this aspect of the movie I took this as more of a religion mm-hmm. allegory like this is this is like a direct reference to religion in the real world and f- you like he was like all the eternals have fallen in angels, yeah like he he believes so he believes so strongly in his in his god his purpose that it turns him against the people who he has loved the most and has known the longest. And ultimately, I think, like, obviously, mm. by the end of the movie, you're supposed to be on the side that Icarus is wrong for this perspective. I took it, like, a completely different way. I was, uh, like, he was the most powerful out of the group. So he had like the most celestial in him. So like the the more power, like power ranking, like his mind was corrupted more because I like that. That's kind of like because I, I was having trouble justifying why Icarus would betray all of them because all of the rest of them are so like. I mean, you have Kingo that is like I you know would never second guess in a uh, a celestial or like all of this life that we're destroying, um, but like. Icarus really just kind of seemed like out of nowhere, you know, and I kind of like was trying to justify and I was like, okay, maybe he's, he's the most powerful, like that has something to do with it. Maybe cause they, they reference yeah, him yeah. as the most powerful, like I see, but is he like, really is he, they it's lend him to being the most powerful. Uh, yeah. So like, yeah, see, I, like even that Superman reference, like gave him yeah, like, like oh, uh, should I call you Clark now? One, even then. um, uh, but yeah, see that was really interesting because the way that I took it is it's much more of a character. It's just like much more of a character personality based thing, and I think this can be said for most people. Hundreds of years before this conflict, Ajax told Icarus in confidence. This is what's going to happen. We need to stick by this. Don't tell anybody else. He lives for so long keeping that secret. Leaves Cersei over that secret that if he can't follow through with it, if he can't stick by that all the way to the end, was any of it prior to that worth it? Um, ultimately, he comes to the realization it doesn't matter personally whether or not it's worth it it matters whether or not these people i care about continue to be alive and i think that and you know cersei was obviously a big reason why he believed in the beauty and humanity that whole montage as he's thinking back to what cersei has shown him and the people they've interacted with over the centuries it's him realizing like there was beauty here but i was so blinded by what i've believed to be the truth, the path, the way that I wasn't going to break from it until then. I didn't even think about that aspect. This, That's like, yeah, 
that has to be like for sure like waning in on his decision like all that time he spent keeping that secret and he even said it like do you know how hard it was yeah. keeping that secret from you guys like I mean, they're basically brothers and si- like brother and sister, and like he was. No, like, I got the same I know, thought it's weird though, to say that. and like, it, like so, like throughout the movie, it is a little weird at points. Whenever it's like, it's just a weird, it's a weird conundrum because like there are clear ones where I'd 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 look at them more like brother and sister, and then there are other ones that it's like, oh well, these are obviously not brother and sister, like Drew. Druig and Makari just like have the have the fucking love bug, man. And they have that moment. Whoa, whoa, whoa! This, what's going on here? Is this new? Because I, I don't do like it not at all. Like it. The, um, yeah, <laughs> it was legit uh, family strokes. But um, <laughs> I do love that. Uh, there's actually like Druig and Makari were not supposed to uh, have a love thing at all, but the actors had such a palpable chemistry that they that they wrote it into the movie. Which is uh, wow! Uh, just a fun little fact to know that it was like these actors were flirting with each other to the point where they were like, "Okay, yeah, get the get them on screen together because this is cute as fuck." Um, mm-hmm. and you know, hey. I I love where we end up. Um, with Druig, Makari, and Thena on the domo, those are my three favorite characters in this movie. That's fucking awesome. I got them all in the same place right now. They're going to st- they're going to be like the at least the launching off point for some sort of spin-off, m- maybe the Eternals sequel, but uh regardless, they're clearly going to be their own thing for at least a little bit, which is super exciting. Uh Did we get that the end credits that like these characters yeah, the will Eternal return? Will return. Did we get that? Just yeah, I just, don't remember they will return. Okay. Yeah. I, okay, never mind. I hate how they do. Like they used to say in yeah what they were returning. You know, like Thanos will return yeah. in Infinity War, or like you know they would say that, but now it's just they'll I return. Think Disney is like girl. They they're like, dude, we've they got fucking yeah, like, fifty don't... things per year right now. I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, like what? What does that even mean? Just saying they'll return. Like obviously they're gonna come back. Like they're just giving us some yeah, assurance like, is all. You're not just gonna. Um, yeah, like, I will. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna okay, go cool. back to a couple gripes know. I had with this movie. Okay, so the deviant yeah. storyline. I three watches past. It is the most useless device I've ever seen in my life. It is truly a red herring, and because it's a red herring, the story aspect loses steam. Like, so the deviant he becomes sentient. And he's like, oh, shit. You know what? Y'all been fucking on us for centuries. Y'all are our oppressors. We're going to come after you. That seems that seems fair now. Um, and it's 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 a little convoluted uh, in messaging for me. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, like you think they should have They're, teamed up. Like Druig says, Druig is the one who has this right. We're the same. We're both pawns of celestials, and I do get it. The deviant wasn't going to stop until it got their power. Therefore, they had to go all the way with it, fight him to the death. But, like, 
it's it's just confused. It's just a little bit of a mixed message thing going on there because it's like, oh, this dude, this it creature is. who has been yeah. pushed down and their species has been demolished for centuries. He becomes sentient. He can think. He's like all the other people out. Here. He's like all of you now, and we're just going to end this movie by killing him. I yeah I I guess. Because the the whole time I was watching this movie in the Deviant storyline, I'm like, okay, what's the end goal for their evolution? Thank like, you. what's the end goal? They go, they become celestials. Like, that's if 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 the Deviants succeeded in everything they did, they would become celestials. They look like whenever the he's eyes, the monster, yeah. they they have like the same the eyes. Everything looks, and they need. What they needed to do is absorb all of the Eternals' power, and then, like, that's what leads them up to the next, like, they just yeah. kept jumping up and up and up, right? And he gains consciousness, and his first thoughts aren't about Harashim or, like, anything. It's like, you guys have literally been killing us for eternity, and you've hated us, and you've done nothing but kill us. Like, I'm just pissed off at you. It's his immediate... Like, immediate yeah. anger, right? Like, it makes sense that that's his first, like, I'm going to kill all of you because of what you've done to us. Like, I kind of was okay with that. I just couldn't believe that there wasn't a moment. There was, because he he's was holding Fina, about to kill her, and goes, you and me, one and the same, pawns created for killing. But that was Gilgamesh talking, and it was just to comfort Athena. That wasn't that actually his I, words. No, because that's not a comforting right? thought at all. I think I think at that point he thinks he got Athena. But it was Gilgamesh's voice, though, right? Wasn't it Gilgamesh's voice while he was like, "I'm"? I he, thought he, it was. He like, eases her into it by going Gilgamesh and saying, "Stay, uh, remember." Yeah, that's uh, when I. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't continue. And then he the drops he out of like, it when he he's got her secure, and he goes. And he says uh, that that line where it's like, it's a shame you and I, one and the same, pawns created to kill. And uh, I think what's funny is, like, I think he's kind of trying to mess with her mind. And, like, it could still be coming from Gilgamesh to her. But it's enough to snap her out of it and go, Gilgamesh wouldn't say that shit. That's true. And then I, I will say that I did appreciate huh. the aspect of the deviant storyline that you don't realize until the end is that it is really there as a revenge story for Thena to avenge Gilgamesh and that aspect of it. Cool. You know, it's uh, it's it's nice. It's simple. It's a it's a good little it's a good little bit. But I do think that the the deviant storyline loses steam quite a bit towards the end. Uh, yeah, I, I I felt like so. Um, it, it just seemed like he was taking it one way in the beginning with the deviants, and then when that like shit evolved, I was like, "Oh, this yeah. is going to be a thing." And then towards like I kind of uh, like I wish they did team up. I thought that what what I thought that was going to happen. I literally thought that was going to happen, and then. When he dies, I was just like, "So what was the point?" And it of really all was. It, 
What's this thing? The other thing is that it really is just a, it's a red herring. Like they're trying to point you one direction, be like deviants will be the problem in this movie. They, the Eternals were created by the Celestials. They trust the Celestials. And then halfway through the movie, they go, the Celestials plan to destroy Earth so that they can create a bunch of a bunch of new planets. And it's like, oh, okay. So our new antagonist is the Celestials. I will say another interesting aspect of the Deviant storyline is that when Icarus feeds Ajax to the Deviants, he has no idea that they're going to evolve. So the rest of the movie, when he's protecting them, he's genuinely he is genuinely protecting them. He does not want them to die via Deviant uh, because, as he realizes when it heals himself, oh, if we die via Deviant, the Deviants are going to dis- like just go on a fucking tear here. Uh, so he just... He just wanted to protect. It's, it's guess, interesting that he was willing to let them face the emergence, and obviously they'd live and protect their memory, like get their memories erased through the emergence and stuff. But the fact that he was still like, "I'm gonna come back and protect them from the deviants," though, like that's. I guess what? How would the deviants have helped them though? They couldn't have formed in the Unimind. Like how? Oh, like, that deviant. They would. They couldn't have done anything. He had Ajax well, and he, Gilgamesh in him. I'm assuming that. But he just had their powers, like their abilities. And like their creatures meant to evolve, you know, like it's not like. Yes, he had their memories. He had their memories and, and though, he was gaining stuff. their abilities, was also created by Erishim. I just don't see how they, that that also couldn't have. Did Kingo join the Unimon? Kingo wasn't around. They never uh, showed yeah, but but when it happened, did he like like when it I was just if happening? He was just chilling like, somewhere and was like, "All right, how fine. many?" Because it showed the number of streams coming into the Unimind. I'm curious if there's one that just shoots off, That'd be cool. you know, and it's it's Kingo. I'm hmm, in, interesting. Uh, but uh, yeah. Now that I think of like the Deviant, like coming back just to kill him yeah it kind of well, does and, take and, away from it like but but the thing is no like, yeah I see don't that's know the thing is that done. like it's just an like, aspect of the story that didn't actually need to be there uh yeah but like it, it's the whole reason the eternals are there you know like to fight they, the, the eternals were created yeah, yeah. to destroy the deviants like the deviants got out of hand, Harishim couldn't control them, so he created an evolutionless species that evolved still. How? Yeah, like what? I, that like what's up with that? Like he said, I created you guys. You know, you're incapable of evolution, and yeah. that's how I created you. But then they obviously well, they don't evolve; they just get new information. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I well, guess. didn't the deviants kind of involve? Because when he stuck one, didn't one like grow wings? Oh, the deviants definitely. The deviants We're talking about the eternals, evolved. though. Yeah, but the oh, eternals. No, you're chilling. You're My chilling. Fault. Uh, yeah. it was, it's um, a hard conversation to follow. There's so many aspects. <laughs> yeah. so many different sides. It's so. Many. I guess that's. I guess yeah. Never mind. They're just eternal. Like yeah. they don't evolve. That's their whole point. Well, that's the that, whole like, reason the why whole they thing. don't age too, right? Yeah, yeah. It's their whole thing. Uh, they don't evolve. 
my other gripe with this movie, uh, and it's it, it is twofold. It is the deviant thing, and Dane Whitman not being more present. Um, Dane Whitman, played by Kit Harrington, is in the movie yeah. for the first fifteen minutes and the last five. Um, however, I don't see any reason for him not to be our stand-in, like our audience avatar asking questions the way he did at the beginning. Like, why didn't you guys help in the fight against Thanos? Like, if you have him there, and I know we have Karun there to kind of to push the comedy forward with Kingo and stuff, but, like, if you have Dane there, since he's supposed to become the Black Knight and stuff, this could be his introduction to learning more about the universe at large and seeing what is out there. And I, I just thought it was interesting that you don't have the normal guy be like, be along for this journey just to see it happen. Uh, Cause that's, that's one yeah. thing that story lacks like is a POV character. To... We're not viewing this story through anybody's <clears throat> lens. We're just watching it happen. And I think Dane could have been a really, and, really yeah, good jumping off point for a POV character. Yeah. Do Do you guys think, with the way that now we kind of realize like how Celestials come about, and this is like, and this movie to me really shows Celestials in a terrifying way that I've never like seen them yeah. in any film so as of yet. Do you think that this is a, a stepping stone? This movie is a stepping stone for a lot of shit, of course. But do you guys feel like this is like a, not an allegory, it's something, but how we might get Galactus? I, I, I do. I think that, uh, I think that this is a, this is a stepping stone to being accustomed to that scale. And because we don't have the Fantastic Four yet, or uh, or anything like that. You can't dive right to yeah. Galactus. I do think that okay. now theory, theory here. This is where I'll plug in the first theory that comes from this movie is we've got Arishim at the end here, who shows up to Earth and uh, pulls the pulls the Eternals off Earth. Uh, Kingo, Fastos, and Cersei to examine their memories and evaluate whether or not Earth is worth saving. Now, if he is to conclude that Earth is not worth saving, is it then that they sick Galactus, the, celesti the Celestial sick Galactus onto Earth to devour it for its nutrients? Like, what if they make Galactus some Celestial hitman? And like what the silver surface, like some silver. I, I, see, because that's the thing is they're gonna retcon shit. <laughs> like you, I can already tell they're gonna retcon yeah. shit with Galactus. Like it's just gonna happen. Uh, I won't be surprised yeah, when Galactus is like Arishim's brother or some shit like that. Um. Now Galactus isn't a celestial. Uh, comic book wise. So it's like yeah, of course, yeah. Galactus isn't a celestial. Wait, what? He's not a celestial. Not what a celestial, but he's he's not. Yeah, yeah. He's just a wait. What? He's a giant fucking wait. dude. Um, 
Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've my whole every as I've known Galactus, I've I thought I've known him just yeah, as formerly, a formerly now, immortal, Joseph, you know Galactus, fantastic. formerly yeah. <laughs> a mortal man, is a cosmic entity who consumes planets to to, to sustain his life force. Um Yeah. Basically, a celestial. He's been imbued. That's he's been imbued do. with the power of a celestial, but he is not a celestial. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I so see. He was just a guy, though. That's, the, that's the only important. reason why he I was say, just a fucking guy. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. Yeah. The only reason why I said that's because I remember earlier this year they said like Fantastic Four has a direct already. Like it was yeah. on that panel thing, and it showed it. Like Kevin Feige talked about it on that wherever Disney thing it was. Mm. It was right there. And that's why I'm saying, okay, so is this going to be a stepping stone to a potential whatever? You know, like with how yeah, it said, like they feed off of planets and I think they're that. going for like a coexist. That's going to be like the end all. Like uh, Finding a way for celestials and other species to like coexist without destroying, like basically find a way to birth celestials without having to destroy a planet to do so. Yeah, is it because they I think like the planet? Oh, sorry, sorry. I no, it's, I think that's the goal of like the Eternals is to find a way to like do that and to break that cycle. Really, like to to build on that, if if you do have Galactus as if you retcon Galactus as a celestial type uh like offshoot and you have the silver surfer what some of the silver surfer storylines are to seek out unpopulated planets with the nutrients required to feed galactus now what if you retcon silver surfer and this time he is looking for planets for the celestials to seed without destroying life but you can't seed the celestials need life force to be born that's the whole point. That's the whole point. Like they need the population to grow. Yeah, and, and it has to be intelligent life too. They, like they, they went expressly like There's they need a planet with a... enough intelligent life for the celestials to be born. The Hiroshima scene makes way more sense now. Hiroshima is going to see that and be like, "Yep, goodbye Earth." Like I, he's going to see that an Eternal arrived at, or it's going to be like, like that is the purpose of the scene now. Is for Harishim to look That's at. That's a good later. point. Because he's de- he's deciding through the memories of these Eternals. And if Fastos if has Earth directly said it. these people, they're not worth saving. It's for Harishim to see. But then he comes to the realization, like then maybe Harishim looks at that, stops there, and's like, "Yep, Earth's not worth it." But then, like Fastos is like, "No, like keep looking. Like you will under like." Just keep going, you know, but Harris seems like made up his mind maybe and like that's how this all – I don't know. But I, I definitely like – that is why that scene was in the I movie. feel that. Let's I, let's I, discuss like, this other aspect of the film. So the, like we were just saying, the emergence can only happen once there is enough intelligent life uh, to be born. That's That only then can a celestial be born. So Thanos saved the world whenever he did the snap. From Celestials being born, at least for a few for a few millennia, and Tony, Tony and Tony snapped right that back. bitch right <laughs> back into place. Uh, 
fucking Tony. He, he couldn't have known. known. He couldn't have he known. Couldn't have known. Come on. But man. let me uh let me ask you, based on that fact, I don't think we get a direct reference to how long ago the blip was. And for it to make sense to me that Ajax would wait until one week before the emergence to let people know. Uh, Because if, like, I was like, okay, if Ajax waited until the fucking buzzer for no reason to tell these people, that's bullshit. This movie has to take place in the week after everyone came back. Totally. A hundred percent. That's why she said that. Like she, she was like Thanos snapped and she was like, thank God. Like I have more time. Like uh, she had those five years where she's like, ah, like, thank you. know, this is, we have a lot more time on earth. Then she's like, holy shit, they did it. And and that's what I did it. And we have to, we have to like, like, oh yeah. These people could save themselves. We have to save them. Yeah. They're worth it. Oh, that's so beautiful. It was oh oh yes. Yeah, it oh. was like so funny when like my brother was just saying because he saw with me with me and my grandma, and he was saying, "Whatever after like Thanos is in, he's probably like, yeah, look at you, yeah. I'm a shape, bro." Because yeah. I, I was watching <laughs> that and I was funny. like, <laughs> so like the way that they've the way that they've you can pass blame in the Marvel universe if you retcon it. Or not retcon it, but like look back and you summarize it in a real roundabout way. The Avengers almost caused the destruction of Earth. Uh, yeah, yeah, many times. on many occasions, on many occasions, many times over. Yeah, many of times. <laughs> um, Y'all suck as a now team. It's interesting though because um, the Eter- the Avengers have almost caused the world to end and then saved it themselves on multiple occasions. This time, the Avengers almost caused it to end and somebody else had to come clean up their fucking mess. Which, uh, it's fun. Okay, so if this is a week after the blip, Harishim arrives at Earth a week after the blip. That happens. Is, like, WandaVision is also, like... Immediately after the blip. Right after the blip. Falcon and Winter Soldier. So... In, this is in, like just interesting how everything's lining up. Like, and, uh, yeah, this it because like we've looked at like everything has had like their own like nexus event, right? Like Loki, uh, the obvious nexus event, WandaVision becoming the Scarlet Witch. I, I people don't like to talk about it, but Falcon and Winter Soldier, it lines up with him talking to the world as Captain America for the first time. Um, and like this nexus Pretty event major. would be the first convergence to stop like uh i don't know pretty pretty easy like to make a, that like uh it's just a celestial is this all happening up to at the Earth. same time That's, like that is a that is what i would consider a nexus event that's theirs. Uh, okay. Like, is it the celestial? I, it could also be them like, killing the celestial. Is it Harrison showing up or yeah. yeah. That's the first die. celestial to no, is because nowhere is the die? skull of a dead celestial. Yeah, but this be is the prevented first one from being to... born, as far as we know. Basically, and Cersei was the plan B. What was? <laughs> uh, but no, nah, it was a 
<laughs> it's quite it's quite the fucking movie. Uh, let's talk uh, the credit. Let's talk the post credit scenes real quick. Mm, uh, okay. Well, we get that first one with Druig, Makari, and Thena all on the domo, and then going through a interdimensional multiversal gate of some sort. I can't tell what kind of gate it is. Uh, enter Pip, and then enter Eros, played by Harry fucking Styles. And boy, oh boy, does he fit the role quite well, it, it appears. Brother of Thanos. Brother was, uh, of Thanos. A shock to hear uh, the first time I heard it. It's like, whoa, I was shocked to see Pip. Uh, for one, I was like, who the heck is this guy? Voiced by Pat Oswalt. Then I see <laughs> Harry Styles, and I'm like, what's going on? And then I hear Eros, brother of Thanos. Huh? <laughs> I was like, whoa. And and tell me this man's not going to be in Guardians 3, bro. Tell me this man's not going to be in Guardians 3. That man in. looks like he fits in that fits group in. like a fucking, like a fucking mitt, bro. That's the effect that they teleported with the same as the Venom post credit scene the of Karn? Really? It's not? because no, the multiversal thing we've seen so far is like an orange ring, like, s- surrounding and then, okay. like, all-encompassing. So this is different. Okay. This reminded, I thought that was the same. The thing that was interesting to me that I will – this is my first little – I. It seems to me like Eros can kind of do this. They had control. Uh, because he said no more drunk teleporting for yeah. me. Like they, they do they do know how to teleport. But the only place we've seen anything like this is WandaVision. When? The effects like it like the way they flash like a green, red, and blue mm-hmm. like it looked like the effects that would come on at the end of WandaVision. Like the credit scene? Like the oh. please like the please stand by. Yeah. I I I yes. Yeah. Because oh. we haven't seen this anywhere else, I don't think. And we don't even exactly Vormir? see it in WandaVision. Vormir? Okay, it does look a little like Ooh. the like because that's what teleports Thanos away and teleports Hawkeye away is that. And it looks kind of. It'd be interesting. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to. It is also interesting that he has the little floating ball thingy from whoever also. So there's multiple prime eternals or that's his. So he his came from a different. Eternal. Yeah. So he he's from a different universe. Or galaxy. So he's... Yeah, he's from a different galaxy. So he's not from a different... Like, he's not part of the multivert. Like, or is... Is he in a different universe? I still... Okay, so here's the thing. I still don't get the scope of it. And it's impossible for us to wrap our heads around, really. So when the Celestial seeds planets, what's the nearest planet to Earth that was seeded? I think we're the only one in our solar system, I thought. Oh, certainly the only one in our like, solar system. It has to be it has to have populated life. So like 
It's very far away. <laughs> Whenever they say the Celestials create... The Celestials are born in, in the universe Erishim created. And then in that universe, he slowly planted more Celestials. So the Celestials would would destroy planets, creating galaxies with more planets, which would therein seed more celestials, which would create more galaxies, which would create more planets. And that's how we have a multitude of galaxies is from the first one yeah. getting. Okay. So, okay. Now I'm a little bit more caught up on the scale of that. However, so the multiverse is whenever you jump from one Harashim to another Harashim. Or just we, some some some, some other entity. time celestial, yeah. Like, is that the is that the deter the the determining factor in what a I multiverse guess is? We well, still don't know who Harishim answers to, well, or if he does. Yeah, like, do we? He's the prime celestial. I wouldn't think anything went above prime celestial. Well, he, if like, you kind of remember, um. And when he students he teleported away from Earth, it seemed like he went into like a black hole effect. Yeah, you, yeah. Do you remember in Loki when you go into the um, uh, what's his name? What he his who name? remains. Yeah, remember it was like all these different black holes in a, in a, in a sense. So is that like like nodding towards like it's multiple celestials that's like making these multiverses? This is my thing. If celestials are affected by the multiverse, if there are a plurality of multiverses and different versions of celestials, how the fuck is a 30th century human doing anything to control celestials? I get the technology aspect of it, but dude... Yeah, they're no. celestials. That's a chop. <laughs> That's like, no. but it's a long time. And you think in 2012 there was an alien invasion in, in New York, and humans stopped that. Like, yeah, they had stone. Like, they have like they went from oh, we're the only life in the whole universe to oh, there's alien life that can come kill us at any moment. So like. In a superhero universe especially, like, human evolution is very fast because it has to be because they have to, like, yeah, yeah. counteract these threats. Especially if this Earth is allowed to continue existing, Fastos is therein allowed to continue influencing technology for all eternity. Exactly. Okay. So, like, they have Eternals to help, and, like, there's, I, like... If Kang got there on his own, like, holy shit, like, more power to him. But, like, I'm assuming he had some help. Uh, well, I can't, like, I just can't wrap my mind around how the multiverse is in any way connected to this celestial level storytelling. The way I'm like, do you think they'll even try? Yes. I think they will. I think it. it's... I think What If Season 2 will be crucial in answering yeah, this question. I think this Harashim is our our universe. Is, like, the universe we know right now. Harashim is our universe's creator. Um, 
the multiverse is then it doesn't have to be Harashim. It's just whoever created that, you know, it could have been a completely different being. It doesn't have to be a celestial. It could be anything. It's the multiverse. So this, the universe we have, Harashim is our creator. Like he's the one who put all the planets there. We don't know who put Harashim there or if Harashim is... So the way that it has to work in my human hierarchy mind is whoever created and put Arishim in his spot is who created the multiverse as it is. So, yeah. So are they going to do like okay. the one above all eventually? Like they, they have to. Are we going to get him the one above like, all? We have to. Oh, yeah. The fact like, that we're getting the Watcher, uh, he who remains, yeah. like they have, like have to, like there is some hierarchy past the Celestials. Wait, because I'm thinking of the Watcher, but like he's not above the Celestials. Is he on the same level as them though? No, I don't think I he think has like, nearly the power. Yeah, not nearly the power, but like. He can see a lot more than... I mean, if we're going based off the logic we have, he sees a lot more than Arishim. I feel like yeah, he's they're... more like a messenger on that scale. or Not like a messenger, but like someone, like a secretary. Here, you file all this shit. Like, this is what I see the Watchers as. Like, in a sense. Yeah, maybe they just don't touch this for how complicated it is right now. Like they they just say the multiverse is a thing and people can pop up anywhere and they just use that as like a story device and they well, don't see, I, get into like the nitty gritty until they get into like a show where they can have like a whole season problem, to explain this shit. The like, problem is the fact that what if shows us multiverse multiversal conflict on an intergalactic scale. We go to multiple planets. We don't just go to Earth. Multiple planets and multiple species all exist within this multiverse. So it expands out into the cosmos and therefore like that's where that's where like I'm like how the fuck did he who remains do what he did? Because like it, and it's because it truly isn't possible. Like we cannot wrap our minds around what the fuck he must okay. have done to make that happen. Here it's as a human the biggest thing we think of you know, there's a limit to the biggest thing we can think of. It's just that these beings, Celestials and He Who Remains, their level, their cap is just higher than ours. We just can't, like, He Who Remains can see in the fourth dimension. We just can't even imagine what that looks like at all. There's no way we'll ever be able to grasp that unless something happens that will let us see, you know? like can it's, He Who Remains see in the fourth dimension? Well, he can see through time and exist anything. Like, he can see probably higher than the fourth dimension. If we're going, okay, well, why? I, I, like, I, I'm it's not, not his power set. It's not me like he saying that. Me saying that is just uh, like a not MCU talk, just science talk. Like, he can see space and time. Like, gotcha. so he can see the fourth probably higher. Like science talk, but Marvel, I have no idea. Um, like gotcha, what gotcha. he actually can do. But, gotcha. like, okay. what I'm saying is, like, what I'm trying to just say is that 
humans, like, compared to a celestial, you know, like, a celestial, their cap is just higher than ours. Like, they can just experience more. And then if there are beings above celestials, their cap is just higher than even a celestial. Gotcha. So, like, it's even harder to wrap our head around. So, yeah. like, how they'll do that in a way that a majority of people can understand is They're going into like, dangerous territory. Yeah, like, it's... I trust them. Like, I don't know. I, I think... Do you realize how asinine it is that Marvel had to map out, the MCU has to map out a creation of the universe? Not just once, but infinite times over. (laughs) It's absurd. It's absurd. And uh, I I can't wait for what happens beyond this movie. Do you guys have any any other things to say about this movie before we Um... head into our, our tier list? What I was going to say was, I just want to, I don't want, I, I don't want to ever experience seeing a big ass celestial in the distance from Earth. The way that looked too real, like, you, of course you could see the atmosphere before you, because that's why he looked all the way he looked. But like, oh, but yeah, no, I that will scare the, my biggest fear is like seeing like big, like big planets and stuff or the moon biggest shit close to Earth because that scares me. But seeing that would just freak me out. I'm like, Star yeah, Wars fans, over. Star Wars fans have had this for years because of fucking the Death Star. If you see the Death Star mm-hmm. pop up outside your atmosphere, you know it's wraps. And whenever you see Arishim pull up like that, I was like instantly taken you to Rogue One. Time. With the Death Star popping up outside the atmosphere. I loved it so that much. And all the Star Wars references. <laughs> that fear literally took me back to when one time my friends was hosting a party at the edge of the street and I left. And it was like, Aurora, your mother outside. And I was like, how she look? She looked mad. That's <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah. what it brought me back to. You were like, that just looks I'm scary a, as shit. I'm get my ass mad. beat type shit. Yes, I um, looked pissed. I'm trying to think. Uh like anything left on the movie and i just have one question but it might sound stupid go for it shoot an eternal icarus he did is is he really dead no okay none of them are uh because of the giant fucking memory bank we are shown uh from the celestials to cersei thank you Uh, like, every time one of them died, okay, on the second watch, like, the first watch, I'm like, dang, they're dead. Like, that sucks. But the second watch, I'm like, they can all just get their bodies and memories back at any time they want. What's crazy is that if there is any single one of them who would be dead, it probably would, would be, be Icarus. Icarus. Uh, however, like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that Ajax, at the very least, will be in some way reincarnated. Um, especially now that the Eternals have knowledge of the World Forge. Like, if they can find their way to the World Forge and we can see them actually figure out how to use it, like how Fast- Fastos could probably figure out how to use that thing. That's and... what that orb's for. To get them there. Yeah. Like, they need celestial power, and that's the only celestial power, or, like, way that they can get celestial power, is through that orb. 
Oh man. Yeah, this is uh I'm excited for the future with the Eternals. I am too. And and last thing we should touch on here, if you guys have nothing else, is the second post credit scene. Mm. Wherein uh Dane Whitman uh sees the ebony blade laid out before him and he's ha- he's being real hesitant to grab it and we see this effect on the sword sort of crawl over itself to try and get to Dane's hand. And I don't know if you guys thought that looked familiar, uh, but boy, oh boy, does that resemble a fucking symbiote. Uh, That's what looking, I was thinking. Like a Venom-type beat. Um, and it is a symbiotic sword. It it does join the, the, the wielder of the sword, and it feasts on blood and thrives on the souls of whoever it whoever it kills and it, it 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 does have the effect that a symbiote does on like back in spider-man 3 it emphasizes the worst qualities in the wielder now that is why it is fantastic that mahershala ali's blade shows up and goes are you sure you're ready for that mr whitman um and the fact that they're going to tie Kit Harrington's Dane Whitman into that side of the universe is fantastic. Because I did not know how they were going to do it. Because this is usually some Camelot motherfucker who's, <laughs> who exists in a different time period. I was like, what are they going to do? Are they going to displace him through time with some Doctor Strange bullshit? Or are they? And they're just going to say, fuck it. We're going to make him modern. And he's going to be alongside like Blade and Moon Knight and shit like that. And... That is fucking awesome. I just, I really liked how you said that because, like, Joseph, like, Joseph I the other day was like looking him up, and all we saw was like Camelot and saw Percival, Sir Percival. So I was thinking, like, how is he, what are they going to do with this guy? <laughs> uh, they were, they were absolutely either going to displace him throughout time, like I had thought, or completely retcon what the fuck he was about. And the retcon is the good move. I think they're going with the idea that. They're doing the lineage thing where I think Cersei knew about his lineage was like, you should go talk to your uncle. Go figure that shit out for me real quick. I think that happens during during the movie. We don't see it, though. And that's how he gets the sword at the end. Um, And that's also why at the end of the movie, he's ready to talk to Cersei about it. Uh, I think that throughout this movie, he did go and seek out his uncle. Therein told was told the history of the black knight and stuff. And he was going to present it to Cersei. Cause Dana literally said, this is Excalibur. Like, well, Excalibur is interesting because Excalibur wielded by Arthur, uh, is a different sword than the ebony blade. Oh, I know. I was just saying like the Camelot thing. Oh yeah. Like I think, I think they were alluding to the fact that like, those events happened in this reality. Therefore, Dane Whitman's lineage goes back to alongside Arthur with Sir Percival and Merlin the Great, uh, curse sword, uh, to, uh, be damned, basically. And this, um, mm-hmm. like, one final question, I swear I'm done. Do you think there's anything that Eternals don't know on Earth? Like, they don't know, like, the secrets? Or do you think they just know everything? Like, that's interesting. Like, oh, like how yeah. familiar are they with the existence of like Shield? Like yeah, prior that's to what the, I was just going to bring up. To yeah. The, yeah, like prior to their unveiling to the world, did they know Shield existed? Uh, yeah. Those those are fun little quandaries there, uh, and really, there's no way to tell. Uh, I think that I think it's fair to say that they are far and away like Sprite 
is going to dominate her classes. Uh, she's going to be one of the smartest humans that's ever existed. History is going to be her, like, like they're definitely going to have her sit in history class and, I like, do the... Uh... I still can't believe they didn't have the history professor, Dane Whitman, accompany all of them to be like, oh, so you influenced this, and you influenced this, and this is because of you. Like, he would have fucking loved being there. As a history professor, that would have been the absolute shit for him. Uh, Part of me, like, whenever you were giving your gripes, and like you said, that Dane Whitman wasn't in the movie enough. And I'm like, yeah, well, what could have, what could he have done there? Like, he's just a human. But then, like, oh, well, there's also another human that's just along with them filming the whole thing. Yeah. So, like, it's that's not out of the question. Um, and like that, like if I were to have a gripe of this movie, that is definitely it. Because when I came out the first time, I'm like, he was only like, that's it. Like, that's all that he's in the movie. Like that was the first like reaction is that like they end the movie on him. That last, the last shot of the movie is him pondering what the fuck he's just seen. And it, it makes you feel like he was supposed to be like the point of view. And like, I listened to an interview with the writers of this movie and the way they, teed up this entire movie was that Dane Whitman's the heart of it. Like he is the, he is the heart of this movie. And I do not get that at all unless there is a bunch of shit they cut. There has to be. And Kumail Nanjiani has been on record in saying that his story has been uh, whittled down quite a bit. And his a lot of his stuff met the cutting room floor. I hope it's just they wanted to introduce the Eternals and just give the idea of Dane Whitman being introduced to the MCU so they can give him a proper introduction and whatever else he's coming And, and, and that's really what I, I'm hoping is going to come to be because uh, as of yet, this, this, this wasn't the right way to get his character rolling. In fact, like, I... It's a cool way to tie him into Cersei, though. Oh, absolutely. And it gives him a drive to look for her, yeah. which is, like, I just the main... That's really all we're supposed to take away, is that him and Cersei loved each other, and he's looking for her, Yeah, is really all we take away. Um, but yeah, that that, it, that does kind of suck. Like, I was expecting him to be in the movie a lot more whenever I was, you know, just going into it. And obviously, I um, spoke on this like I knew uh, Mahershala Ali's Blade is who approaches him at the end. I don't know that. I am very, 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 very pretty sure. Uh, yeah. That, I'm I'm fairly certain that's who that'll be. Um, it makes sense to tie him into that corner of the universe as it approaches. Uh, and I'm very excited for however, the, like, I can just imagine the Jon Snow, Sir Davos, Grey Worm type beat, but it's, it's Oscar Isaac Moon Knight blades Mahersh Lali's blade and fucking Kit Harrington's Dane Whitman, as like that shit would just be fucking cool if they were just like fucking mystical vampire and zombie hunter type dudes, like <laughs> that's just that's mm. just fucking fun. Um, but yeah, any 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 thoughts before we get into this tier system uh, on on Eternals here? Um, the Bollywood scene dance could have had more energy, but that's it. It could have had more yeah. electricity, but it was still yeah, it was ten percent more. It, I can go even mentioned it. I have a feeling more. that they were uh, they were uh, catering to Kumail Nanjiani's dancing abilities 
with the yeah because he didn't really he had the smolder he was a little, was a little on, stiff but... he was a little yeah. stiff uh, i think i think they were like let's give them let's give him a simple uh simple dance here that he can he can really easily pull off and uh because he even even in the dance moves he does do, he looks a little awkward compared to everyone else. I don't think Kumail Nanjiani is a dancer, and therefore uh, they they went with a I simpler. Dance Angelina movie. Jolie was in his ass. Like I took ballet to wield this sword, and for one jump, but you couldn't. <laughs> I I want to talk about one more aspect of the movie. Thank you for mentioning Thena one more time. Yes. The way my favorite parts of this movie was every time someone got to fuck with Icarus. Like whenever Icarus and Thena are battling on the domo and he's like, you never had to fight me, Thena. And he's like, and she's like, yes, but I always wanted to. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that was. And then the shot, they, the visual storytelling of showing Icarus on one side of the screen laser beaming down at Thena who's shielding with Arishim's statue standing directly in the middle dividing them I was like that's literally the entire conflict in one shot literally the entire movie in one shot and and then later when Fastos uh you know binds Icarus to the ground oh that feels really satisfying doesn't it awesome this is what confused me uh, whenever his eyes were blinking because Fastos was like, I, I've always wanted to clip your wings. And I thought he was taking his power because like I thought he somehow with the deviant being there, like developed a like the way they absorb the Eternals power. I thought he did the same thing gotcha. and I thought he was going to take Icarus's power away from him and just have him be Icarus. Um, like mm, I thought he was going to strip him of his power and ah, I see whenever his eyes were blinking and he couldn't do it. I'm like, did Fastos do that? Or cause I was like, I don't want it to be a Fastos thing. I wanted it to be an Icarus choosing to stop doing it. And then like, they show you the montage and you're like, okay, Icarus chose to do this, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 that is understandable. That is an understandable, like uh confusion to have because it wasn't one that I had, but you laying it out like that. Because he couldn't confusing. use his lasers. Yeah, while... it is a little confusing to show him expressly fail to use his lasers and then show his eyes blink as though he can't do it. Uh, I do get it. I do. I do get that that confusion. But I, I loved that scene whenever he whenever Fastos binds him to the ground and is like, uh, "I've always wanted to clip your wings, Icarus." Like that shit was fantastic. And there's just that there's just that note of. Uh, you know, Icarus was like obviously the the straight white man. You know what I'm saying? And like, you got Thena, very satisfying. You got Thena being like, "Yeah, but I've always wanted to fight you." And you got Fastos being like, "Oh, I've wanted to do this for a long time." Like, "Oh, I want, I wanted." And Makari, the only other character who really gets that, gets at him, and arguably Ooh. gets at him the best. Uh, she beats the fuck out of Icarus Damn, for a second, and she goes off. that moment where he where he laser beams Druig into the ground and buries him, and she screams. I was like, oh, like that moved me, bro. And then she immediately ran over there and beat the shit out of this man. And that shit most where she did the who that yeah, shit when she did the whole. Sonic boom right in front of him to force him back. Like she broke the sound barrier 
like one inch in front of him and it made him go <laughs> I was like, mm. Oh, that was dope. That was super yeah, I cool. Know, I don't know how they really call Icarus the most powerful because they all kind of did okay on their own against him. And yeah, I guess like see, there's emotions behind it and everything, but And there like there's there's also like that's kind of very uh subjective here. I, I'd argue that Fastos's ability lends him to having the most firepower at his disposal. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's basically Iron Man uncapped. Yeah. Like, he could do anything yeah. he wants with his tech. Like, As long as he has the, uh, the uh, in- right ingredients, uh, he's there. You know what I'm saying? Like... But yeah, I, I don't have many other thoughts on this movie. I, I ultimately really, really enjoyed it. Uh, there were a lot of really satisfying sequences and very beautiful visuals. Uh, ultimately, it doesn't. Uh, it 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 obviously does fall a bit short in the storytelling side of like the getting to know the characters. But I can't stress enough how much this was so obviously a launching off point for the future of these characters and a a different direction for the Marvel universe as a whole. Yeah. Um, so are you guys ready for this tier list here? Yeah. All right, so the question at hand and something we will do for every Marvel movie from here on out as they as they release and every show as they are completed is we're going to plug them into a tier list. Now, each of us has created our own tier list of every MCU project, movie, and TV show to date on a scale of fuck yes, hell yeah, that's cool, okay, yeah. And eh, those are our five tiers. Again, that is the top tier being fuck yes. The second one being hell yeah. The middle one being that's cool. The second to last one being okay, yeah. And the last one being eh. The tone is very important. The tone is very important. The tone is the tone, not the wording, but the tone. The tone, yes. Yes. The wording matters. Fuck yes. Yes. Yeah. That's what that category means, you know. Yeah. That's what yes. it really means. Hell yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. Eh. <laughs> I can't yeah. that's that is the tier list here. So let's start with the we're gonna work from our bottom up. So let's start with what is the eh tier. And I'll start. I only got one in my eh tier, and it is incredible hulk. Alright. Cool. Uh, there was one that almost made it there in that at tier alongside, but I was like, God, do I really hold that to the same standard as Incredible Hulk? Uh, and no. It ultimately ended up being that one thing was applicable to F for me, and it was that. So, uh, what, 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 what do you guys got in the at category? I'll start with Joe. I, uh, I had more in this initially. Um, I do have Incredible Hulk. Um, it is the only one now. Uh, I started with, there were four movies total there. Ooh, I then only I, had, I, this is going to be interesting. I had one movie and one show. Aurora, what do you have in the S? I have Incredible Hawk <laughs> and Thor and Thor Dark World. Ooh, both yeah. of them. Coming yeah. out swinging with both Thor and Thor the Dark World. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. I get that for sure. Hmm. I that I was close to putting Dark World down there. That was the only other movie that I was considering 
Uh, but then I was like, okay, like, yeah, that's that's ultimately what you ended up doing. You went, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, like I was like, it was okay, yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we move on to the okay, yeah tier where I have included Iron Man two, Ant Man, Captain America: The First Avenger. Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, and Loki. And Loki was the show that I had in the A tier before I moved it up to OK Yeah. Really? Yeah. It is, I can't, I can't express in words how poorly that show has aged for me. I, wow. Uh... <laughs> Why? I, it's, Any... it, here's my thing: is that like uh, in terms of the the critic, the way I critically look at this, I do enjoy it. I think it is visually appealing. The story is compelling. My beef is that as a show titled Loki, it should have been about Loki. It it could have been any other character plugged in, and it probably could have been relatively the same. Uh, so that's that's where the big gripe comes in. Uh, I do think you get some great emotional moments from Loki. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff, but uh, ultimately it doesn't hit nearly as well as those other shows and a lot of other movies. Hmm. I, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't have a show until like my shows are pretty high. Yeah. Uh, I, I hold these shows in pretty high esteem, but Loki is my lowest ranking show. Um, Interesting. I, I uh, and here's another I thing. Have, I wouldn't have guessed that. I want to. I want to preface this also with, I like all of these, all the okay yeahs that I just threw out. Iron Man two and Iron Man three and uh, Ant Man and Captain America the First Avenger and Thor the Dark World. Like, I enjoy those movies. They're they're just not the best movies in the MCU. The only other one that I think was kind of like when I got around to it and was like, damn, can't believe that's down there was Captain America the First Avenger, but. Uh, ultimately, I felt very good about that. Uh, just in comparison to what's to come, it just doesn't stack up to me. Uh, but yeah, and for for the rest of this, if you have Eternals plugged in anywhere, go ahead and wait until we're done with all the tiers to say which one you're going to plug it into. Uh, okay. But okay, yeah, go ahead, Joe. What do you got in your okay, yeah? Okay, yeah. Uh, I'll start with the ones that you had as well i believe you had both the first thor and the second thor i did not have the first thor never mind so i have the first thor in there gotcha um first and second i have iron man 2 iron man 3 i have ant-man i also have ant-man and the wasp Mm. down there too uh it was just kind of uh the real like what made me do most of these things there were a few movies and shows that i'm like i know this is going there like, to get my baseline. Yeah. And then I started to fill it in. And, like, looking at Ant-Man and the Wasp, looking at the tier above, I'm like, I can't. Like, put it, I can't, like, I don't know. That's how I did. Like, that's how I did everything. It's like, there's, I can't put it with those movies. I feel you know? that. I feel that. Um, Both of the Spider-Man movies are in here. Okay, um, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That me. This is interesting because what this is telling me is that we hold certain movies in the exact same esteem, but on different levels, which is really interesting. 
Uh, hmm. Yeah, that's uh, both Iron Mans, for, or two and three, not one. Uh, two and three, Thor one and two, Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then both Spider-Mans um, is my, yeah, okay. Um, the Spider-Man movies, like, I had them a tier up from where they are now, but then looking at the movies that those it was in the tier with, I'm like, I I did not enjoy these I did not enjoy the Spider Man movies as much as these ones in this tier. So I feel that. There's a yeah, there's my yeah okay. Um <laughs> All right, yeah okay. Yeah, okay. Uh Aurora, what you got next? And the I uh, have okay, yeah. both um at man's <clears throat> All right. I have Iron Man three and two. Gotcha. Um, I have Captain Marvel, but because it was good to watch, I just didn't. It felt like it it dragged on too long for me. In the I sense. get you, I get you. Yeah, no, yeah. I I actually, I, I'll get more to that when I get to Captain Marvel for sure. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll comment more. And I have Loki. All right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Those all make sense to me. Those all make sense to me. There are a couple that you guys mentioned that I have in, in my next tier. This, uh, the that's cool. Uh, and, and that's cool. I do have Captain Marvel, uh, because I really, really, really love that movie, but it's not quite on the level of the next couple that to that level of enjoyment. Uh, I have both the Spider-Man movies and the, uh, that's cool, uh, homecoming and far from home. This is where I have Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, and that's because Ant-Man and the Wasp was one that was in my okay, yeah. And then I actually, this was one that I was so on the fence about that I gave it a rewatch before I officially cemented where I thought it belonged. And upon rewatch, I thought, you know what? I'm going to throw that in. That's cool. And obviously, another thing, beyond the release of Eternals, like when we do this again, when Spider-Man No Way Home comes out, all this is subject to change. If you If the way you feel about these movies evolves... It doesn't have to remain the same. It doesn't have to remain the same exact list. You can move this to to be however, however you're feeling about the movie at the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, in the moment, I was like Ant Man and the Wasp. I'm a, I'm a throw a that's cool at it because you know what, that is cool. I fuck with Wasp. I think she was a she was a really cool introduction. Uh, it was a really cool introduction to the superhero side of Hope Van Dyne. Uh, and Ghost is a cool villain, and uh, Lawrence Fishburne rocks. So. That's those are my thoughts there. But I also, in the that's cool category, have Thor, Iron Man, Iron Man one is in my that's cool category. Uh, Avengers, and what if? And there's one more here. Or, or no, wait, there's two more. There's two more. Dagger, <laughs> just hit me with a dagger. <laughs> two more. Black Widow. And Avengers Endgame. Hmm. These are those are my that's cool. Wow, hot takes. Um, I, I I can't express to you how difficult those were. Uh, like whenever I uh, like, I'll get to it more. But like, there's just certain aspects of it that like, if you weren't, it's like firing on all cylinders, firing on almost every cylinder. Okay, we're losing it a little bit, and the, the okay, we're losing it a little bit is where I is where I feel like I'm comfortable putting what if Avengers Endgame. What if is an interesting one, and I'll explain here. 
what if is one that I think is subject to go up. It can only go up. It won't go down. Uh, and the reason is that as of right now, its impact on the larger MCU as a whole and its anthology format, it doesn't lend itself to quite the emotional resonance that I get out of a bunch of other stories. And I like the emotional resonance side of stories. I don't get that quite as much with What If. What If is cool. It's quite the spectacle. Uh, but that's about as far as it goes. And that's why it falls in. That's cool. Um, so that's that's where I ultimately land with What If there. And I feel like uh, that's enough explanation for hmm. for for my... A lot of solo movies and a lot of first installments. You know, Thor, Iron Man, Captain Marvel, Black Widow, Avengers, Spider-Man Homecoming. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, my, I think uh, we have pretty similar fuck yes and hell yeah. Just ex- hearing the ones you haven't said yet. But I, yeah. I think I have someone here that will shock. Let's do it. Then. I think. Uh, I have Captain Marvel, and I I ranked mine as like uh the top of the tier is like your actually means yeah. like the top of the tier. Okay, I didn't read them in any order for the record. Oh, I okay. Understand. Uh, um, but Captain Marvel is the top of this tier. Then Civil War. Um. Okay. Okay. That one's I think a shocker. Like I think people like this movie a lot more than I do. That was uh, the one that I o- I almost had that and that's cool and I felt guilty and bumped it up. Yeah, uh, I I don't know. Like, I just didn't really enjoy it as like I don't know. I don't really go back to that movie much. Like I feel too. that I don't either. That's how, that's how I based it too. Uh, Black Widow's in here, the first Avengers movie. Um, actually, scratch that. The order's wrong. Age of Ultron. Then the first Avengers movie, their things just look really similar. So gotcha. Um, but yeah, then uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, Captain America: The First Avenger. I'm just not a Cap guy. I know this is the shock part. I'm not a Cap guy. No, I, I mean I get that, but like the Winter Soldier and the That's Cool, it went as far down as That's Cool. That, when looking at that, my other that for movies, me so far is the biggest shocker on anybody's list is that Winter Soldier is as low on this tier list as it is. That one, it was hard. That's my favorite cat movie out of all of them. Uh, out of Civil War, out oh, of yeah. the first event. I guess you have knocked out all the cat movies already. Yeah, every cat movie is in That's Cool for me. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I just, I'm not a big cap guy. I never enjoyed the movies that much. I feel that. I feel that. But this was the only one that could have made it into uh, Hell Yeah. But I don't know. Just not a big cap guy. Loki is the only other thing that's uh, in there for me. All right. And that's cool. But all the caps, um, first two Avengers movies, and then Black Widow and and Captain Marvel. All right. All right. I'm with it. I'm with it. Aurora, what you got there in the That's Cool? I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. I want to hear it. Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Oh, man. All right. All right. Avengers. First Iron Man. All right. I'm glad we're on the same page about those. Thor Ragnarok is in here. I'm so wow. glad you said that. Oh, my God. That was one I was so on the fence about, and my guilt for MCU pushed me over to hell yeah. It absolutely would have been in That's Cool. 
It absolutely would have been. You think? For me? Yeah. I, I enjoy that movie, but boy, oh boy, is that the most overhyped MCU film in existence. Thank you. I, like, it's more like a... Endgame's the most overhyped. Okay, but okay. It, there's it, some reason, people there's, even but say... But there's no reason for there to be hype around Endgame for me. Thor Ragnarok is cool. It's pretty colors. Thor's got a, a pretty cool storyline. But all but in all, really... it doesn't hit... It doesn't yeah. hit like what's it account like I don't get what it accomplishes in terms of like Asgard is gone, bro. That's like, huge. That that huge. happened. But the problem like, with that is that Thor Ragnarok was so like comical to me and goofy. Then when Asgard got destroyed, I didn't really feel anything. I didn't. I just I didn't. didn't. It just didn't make me wow. sad. Well, and okay. there's there's this other aspect of this story too that. Thor's, like, the development hero moment he has in this movie is the exact same development hero moment he has in the first movie. He doesn't make any any character leaps. He just is fighting a different battle. And I think that that's, that's important in the weighing of that movie. With a haircut. But um, I have um, Spider-Man Far From Home in here and Homecoming. Yeah. Um, Avengers Ultron, and that's it. All right, all right. Oh, sorry, Black Widow. I had to scroll over. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're we we're on relatively same same grounds here so far. This I, I'm I'm encouraged uh, by by the things I am hearing. All right. So in my hell yeah. This this is where we start getting to the I organized this expressly. Uh, hell yeah, top of my hell yeah, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. That is the very tippy top of my hell yeah. So it's interesting that it was on your guys's. That's cool. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is in my hell yeah. Avengers: Age of Ultron is in my hell yeah. It's my favorite Avengers movie, uh, aside from one that we are yet to uh, get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is uh, pretty high in my hell yeah. That's definitely that's definitely up there. Uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is in my hell yeah. Doctor Strange is in my hell yeah. Thor Ragnarok is in my hell yeah. Captain America Civil War is in my hell yeah. And Black Panther is in my hell yeah. Uh, so I've got three things left. Uh, uh, not including Eternals to come later, but uh, three things left to go up there in that uh, in that fuck yes category. So, and I don't really I don't really have a lot to do uh, explaining wise here. I feel like for the hell yeah these these movies felt right. There's only one that I was on the fence about, and I've already expressed why I was on the fence about it. It was Ragnarok, and whether it would go uh, down or not. Uh, one thing that Oh, Ragnarok and Civil War were kind of subject to being on the fence there. Uh, Black mm. Panther, that that was one that wasn't meant to be at the bottom there. That's definitely towards the top of my hell yeah tier. Um, the one thing I will say is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was so close to being fuck yes, uh, I just I just pulled myself back a little bit. That that was all. Uh, mm. But yeah, that's that's where that's where I land there. 
Joey, hmm. let me get the let me get that hell yeah. At the very tippy top of my hell yeah is Doctor Strange. Beautiful. It was the cl- this was the closest movie to making it into fuck yes, but it didn't just because of what's in fuck yes. Um, but Doctor Strange at the tippy top. Then I have Endgame. Okay. Like it's it deserves it like it deserves to be up there. Like it just does. Like uh I can watch that movie 500 times. I'll never get tired of it. Okay. Not I good. could watch the other one way more. But we'll know. we'll get there. Black Panther number 3. Shang-Chi number 4. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Love the specificity. Uh yeah. And then uh WandaVision uh is in my hell yeah. Uh was the only other show that could have bumped it up. Uh and then Thor Ragnarok is at the bottom of my hell yeah. So All right. my Thor Ragnarok, like I I was like Thor verging, Ragnarok. was verging on that's cool. I guess yeah, it was also so I guess I wasn't as far away as I thought. Initially I put Thor Ragnarok and fuck yes. I did. And then I filled in the rest of fuck yes and I'm like Thor Ragnarok doesn't belong there. And that's that's ultimately the conclu that was ultimately how I came to my conclusion as well, is I was like Thor Ragnarok kept falling because I kept putting movies that I was like, well, I like that a lot more than I like Thor Ragnarok. I'd watch that again before I'd rewatch Thor Ragnarok. Uh, don't get me wrong. Thor Ragnarok is a fun movie. I lo- I really, really enjoy it. But uh, there's just plenty of movies that it, it's just not as good as. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. Aurora, give us your hell yeah. So I didn't do all that order stuff, but. <laughs> I feel that. So I have Avengers Endgame, cool. Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, mm. Guardians of the Galaxy One and Two. Okay. The first Captain America movie, okay. because there's Tommy Lee Jones in it, and I mm. love him. He does have quite the role in that movie. He does a really good job. Yes, the whole it's like the way that like Tony's like Tony's father and all that all that stuff. It was. Really and I mean, like Stanley Tucci in the role of the guy uh, of uh, the doctor who believes in Captain America and is like, mm-hmm. I love that, too. It's there's some there's really good elements of that movie. It's just that, like, I just reflect on it a little bit, uh, like a little dull. Like, I don't know. I can get it. It's just some reason seeing that when I was very young, this stuck with me. I feel, um, I feel you. <laughs> and also Captain America Civil War, which I call Avengers Civil War because it's only missing two people. It's Avengers three point like, five, baby. Come on, mm-hmm. <laughs> two point <yeah>. five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me scroll over here. I don't have anything else. One second. Our uh, hell yeahs are pretty similar. Yeah, we're all we're all floating in the same territory, which is encouraging to hear that. Like, there are only a couple outliers. Yep, that's that- it. All right, so let's get into this fuck yes. Uh, it sounds like I have the least in my fuck yes with three. Is that right? Do you guys have more than three? I have four. Three movies, one show. Yeah, I have. I, yeah, I have four. All right, I have three, and my three are Infinity War, Guardians of the Galaxy, and WandaVision. And. The only one I feel like justifying is WandaVision. This is one that uh, didn't didn't make the leap because of critical acclaim, but rather just like uh, it was the first MCU TV show, first one that we sat down to watch week after week, 
uh, and discuss on the podcast. It'll hold a special place in my heart for a pretty long time, I think. And the way that it made me appreciate Wanda and Vision's stories as a whole, uh, holy shit. It's just uh, it's just one of the one of the, my favorite TV shows I've ever watched. And then uh, I'll elaborate on Guardians of the Galaxy some a little bit as well, just because uh, what we said all about Eternals earlier uh, can only be can also be said for the Guardians of the Galaxy, but actually enhanced because there's less of them and more of an opportunity to develop their stories. Uh, it's they were taking a big fucking swing. And they knocked it the fuck out of the park. Yeah, they it, did. it belongs up there with Infinity War. So, Joe, let me hear your fuck yes, and I'm I'm glad to hear I'm glad to hear that we have a couple a couple in common here. The two we do have in common is Infinity War and Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. Um, Infinity War, obviously. So, Guardians of the Galaxy, the soundtrack alone puts it in fuck yes for me. Um, and everything on top of it is just you know icing on the cake, or cher- the cherry on top, of whatever. Um, my other one, other movie is Iron Man one. Okay. I just love that movie. Yeah. There's a reason they put that movie in IMAX. It's the only, the only movie that's like, the only one that they put in IMAX that's like pre, twenty like nineteen. Yeah. Like uh, I don't know. I could be very wrong on that, but like, there's a reason they put Iron Man one like in that section, like with the IMAX movies. That movie, like, that's what started it all for me. I loved Iron Man. At the time, I loved Elon. You know, he's an Iron Man too, I know, but like it's the inspiration. Yeah. So like Iron Man was my shit. He was my guy, technology. I'm an engineer. Like yeah. it's right up my alley. Iron Man one, I could watch that movie five hundred times. I, I can never get tired of it. I feel that. I feel uh, that. Critically, it doesn't belong there. Like it, It's it your doesn't. WandaVision for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh like I would not love the MCU without Iron Man One. Fair. It's Fair. it's as simple as that. And uh my last thing is what if. What if is my favorite will be like it already is my favorite thing that Marvel's like ever released. It's my favorite concept. Like they did it in the comics and I'm so glad they're doing it in a show. It's my favorite concept of Marvel and it just leads to cool stuff. And I understand your point of like there's no emo you know, you, you don't get the emotional background, you know, with these characters that only last an episode or so. But that's like the content I love is uh I I don't have to get fully invested. I'm just here to experience this content, I feel and that. that's all it is. You know, it's just Marvel having fun. Like that's what the show is: is Marvel having fun. Oh, and it's and... absolutely fun as hell. There, there's like, and there is emotional resonance. You know, like I I don't want to say that there is none. You know, I mean, like I think to episode four, where what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? That's one of the most devastating episodes of television I've ever watched in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's plenty of emotional resonance to be sure. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's a matter of how much I already cared about those characters and seeing that emotional resonance as it applies to the future. And you also, don't see a lot of that coming in what if. So I do, I do absolutely yeah. get, uh, having it this high because it really is concept wise one of the it's most fun things to ever exist. More of a hell yes, but the Ultron for me is what kicked it into the fuck yes. yes. It was what I was asking for for so long just to get anything Ultron, and they gave me exactly – like they gave me more than I could ask for. Um, I was like a little kid on Christmas watching that episode, uh, both of those episodes, 
mainly episode seven though. Like, uh, yeah, whatever he just one. Huh. Uh, I'll stop because I, I know I can just go on for, for hours about Ultron, but that's, that's, uh, why it isn't fuck yes for me. All right. All right. I, I dig it. Aurora, where, where is, uh, your fuck yes? Where, where, where are you lying? Infinity War, because that was Naturally. the first, like, I think Marvel project where I was actually scared for my characters. Yeah, yeah, that's Infinity true. War for that reason, WandaVision, because I literally did not care about Wanda MCU-wise until that. That yeah, propelled her. And plus, we like, talked she, about this. Yeah. Well, we, like, that, that, that makes you realize how great of a story both Wanda and Vision have had through the films. Because they yeah. fall on the back burner as you're watching the movies, but then you get to that show and you're like, holy shit, they've been there the whole time doing all this great shit on screen. Like, you really get to appreciate them because of WandaVision. Yeah, and what if because of the fact that I did not know that that show was going to lead to an actual thing. Like, it actually led to a big battle and story. Like, all of these was going to go along with each other. That that fucked with me. And plus, Marvel Zombies and Doctor Strange. It's the closest comic book adaptation that we have so far. Like, it's the closest we're going to get to comic book in video form yeah is what if um and i think that's what like that's just why i love it so much it's like literally just from the writing room it's just like it's all fun like if you watch the making of what if like they lit like they were just having fun with it like the what if and then the then what like they just had a crap ton of them and just Mm -hmm. running through them like that would be my dream job like just to be on the marvel squad and be like oh what if ultron won and then i get to write all of the details and how ultron wins yeah yeah like i could do that um but i i just uh i love that show so much i i cannot wait for season two like hope That's that is fucking goody i might be more stoked for season two of what if than no way home like and man and i'm stoked for no way home so like yeah, that, that's saying some. That's saying some. What uh? So that leaves one last thing in your fuck yes, right, Aurora? Yeah, and that's that? she. Okay, I'm so glad that's there for you. You know, I, I, I think you hit me after Spider Man No Way Home. You're gonna see Shang Chi chilling right up there next to Infinity War and Guardians of the Galaxy because that's my favorite origin film in all of the MCU. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. I've already watched it like two and a half, almost three times since it's been on Disney Plus. I watched it like four or five. Damn, bro. Like, I've yeah, it's watched just, that. It's movie. too fucking good. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll never, I'll never stop loving that movie. And uh, I, I think the only reason it's in hell yeah is just I didn't want any recency bias to play in, so I just put it there. But like, same. I, I think it truly does deserve. It, like, it, I think you hit me up in a month. That's a, that's a fuck yes. It, it definitely will be. Uh, Shang Chi is just fantastic. So, with that. Where does Eternals lie uh, in your in your tears from fuck yes, hell yeah, that's cool, okay, yeah, and eh. I'll start. Uh, I, I enjoy it more than The Incredible Hulk. I'll say. It's definitely not an eh. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, certainly not an okay, yeah, either. Uh, I, I enjoy it more than Ant-Man. 
I think that's safe to say. Um, that's cool. Now we're getting more, we're getting warmer. This is more the territory where it feels like we're getting there. You know, I mean, Avengers, you got that origin film with all these characters we know. It rocks. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, I like Eternals a hell of a lot more than I like Avengers. And that's why it's going straight to hell. Yeah, baby. Uh, I don't, I don't think this is one that will go up either. And I don't think it's one that'll go down. This feels like a staple of the hell yeah tier. Uh, it just it just fits right in there next to next to Shang Chi and next to a uh, next to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two like uh, it just feels right having Eternals in that hell yeah category. I'm uh, literally on the same exact page as you, so <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. But I love this movie. Um, it'll just be like a timeless movie that I'll I'll go back and watch just for how fun it is. I love these characters. Um, and I, I don't think it makes it into fuck yes ever. I don't think it ever drops down. Like I, I truly do think like, I don't know. This movie was just great. And, uh, I can't wait to see what they do with these characters in the future. So I'm right there with you. Fuck yeah. And Aurora, where's it falling for you? Hell yeah. It's hell it's, yeah. The, the natural lighting, the, it just, it doesn't, oh. it won't go up, but it belongs right there because it just it's so different. The aesthetic is like so different to me. Like how Doctor Strange, that's why it's in that too. Like Doctor Strange had a different aesthetic origin. Black Panther was, you know, the way it was so like futuristic looking. It was mm. really good. Afrofuturism, yeah. Yeah. That's that's hell what yeah. it is for me. It definitely it definitely falls into that hell yeah category. I'm one hundred percent with you. And uh shit guys, I think that that that'll be that here on this uh this monstrous epic pod for the Eternals only fitting that it would go almost the length of the movie uh, that makes that makes perfect sense there's so much to talk about here and uh, frankly I'm I'm fairly confident we didn't hit it all um, but shit uh, last thoughts on Eternals I think I'm speaking for all of us when I say Really, really enjoyable. Did it have its flaws? Absolutely. Is it the worst, critically the worst movie the MCU's put out? Absolutely fucking not. Absolutely fucking not. Don't get that aspect of this whole release at all. Uh, it is, it is a hell yeah. And with that. Hell that, yeah. That concludes the 144th episode of the Penny Bloom podcast. It was I. Colton Robertson and I was joined today by a couple of my favorite Marvel comrades, Aurora Carter. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I, even though I'm sick, I love this part. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you were willing to tough it out with us to uh, to join this conversation because, as I've said, the last couple movies we've discussed, you've become one of my favorite people to discuss new Marvel movies with. Uh, right, right there alongside Mr. Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. And uh, can't wait till we add another movie to this list. Cannot wait. It'll be quite the fun. And I would be uh, I would be down to uh, maybe get a Patreon at some point where instead of all of us having a tier list, we make the Penny Bloom tier list where we come uh, together and decide. I'm down. Uh, and maybe we'll do that on a separate Patreon eventually. But uh, in the spirit of that, head to patreon.com slash Bloom. 
where you'll find all sorts of content, well over 20 hours now, where we uh, recently seeded our Marvel character tournament that just started this week, uh, 64 characters, we had to limit it down, and uh, you'll you'll see how we did that there. Uh, no Eternals in that in that tournament uh, in the spirit of not having recency bias, because uh, I can tell you, those characters would have made it deep into that tournament, and having 10 out of 64 all in one movie... Uh, that can be a little rough, uh, it, 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 for sure. So we decided to leave them out altogether. Maybe, maybe eventually we'll make it back around to this topic, and Eternals will, uh, will definitely be a part of it. But uh, go ahead and go to Penny Bloom Pod on Twitter at Penny Bloom Pod, where you can find all those matchups for the uh, for that tournament. We've just got the uh, round of sixty-four all posted, and those uh, those will be up and available all the way through the release of the round of thirty-two on Monday. Uh, which I'm very excited about, and then then we'll have the round of 32 available for you to vote on, and the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and so on and so forth. So yeah, uh, go to Penny Bloom Podcast on Instagram and follow. Where uh, that's where I keep you updated on what's on any given episode. If you're just keeping up through social media, you'll find a bunch of graphics where I explain exactly what's to come in any given episode, and uh, that one will be up fairly soon after this is published so uh hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah yeah. (laughs) uh remember peace love and bloom i don't know is there an eternals quote that really sticks out to you guys oh i'm a big baby (laughs) oh i'm a big baby (laughs) uh nah peace love and bloom and remember You know what's not going to save the world? Your sarcasm.